Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is September 22nd, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and we are fully immersed in the offseason, at least for the Bruins. Obviously, the Stanley Cup continues on. That's a very exciting series between the Stars and the Lightning. I hope you guys are watching. Uh, It's definitely fun because it's weird. I mean, we don't know when hockey's going to come back. You know, Gary Bettman talked. Uh, this past weekend uh, on, you know, when he thinks hockey could be back. He said it could be moved from the tentative December 1st start it's supposed to have. So uh, this could be the last hockey for a little while here, not to depress you, <laughs> uh, but we don't really know if it's going to start December 1st or if it's going to start in January, uh, when it's going to start. What I will say though is this offseason is going to be crazy. The trades uh, with the Bruins won't be a lot on the free agent front, but more of the trades. And so that's what Connor Ryan from Boston Sports Journal and I talked about in this episode, which was their, you know, potential trades the Bruins could make. We also kicked the tires on probably the top free agent uh, and whether or not the Bruins could be in on him as well. You'll see who the top free agent is in the episode. You like that little tease? I'm gonna, yeah, you gotta, you gotta listen a little bit to get the, to get all the answers. Um, before I give you all those answers, the wait is finally over because football is back you might not be at the game this year which i i know you aren't at the game at least with the patriots uh but you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can set, get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online you can get in on the their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win division and championship futures Today, things look pretty good for the Patriots, so maybe it's time to bet on them. Head on over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Nothing much, man. What's going on with you? How about that Patriots game last night? I know. Instant classic. It's one it of those. Instant I, classic. I feel like it's one of those ones where, uh, like no one was really super mad at the end of it. It was like when they almost came back against the Niners when they were nasty in like 2012, whatever that one was. Everyone's just like, ah, what are you going to do? Like Cam Newton looks really damn good. So what's funny is that's the first loss, uh, you felt good about. First Patriots loss you felt good about in forever. I mean, I've never, I have, I don't remember the feeling of having a loss in week two for the Patriots and then being like, oh, 
Yeah. They're going to be all right. Like it never. To be fair, uh, to be fair, it feels fine right now, but you know, we're, uh, you know, we'll wait till the radio, uh, you know, personalities come on and see how, what the narrative is after that. But I don't know how you really should be discouraged after a game like that. Yeah, again, I mean, just to, and, and for the Bruins list, listeners, uh, I mean, I hope you watched the game. It was a great game. Great game. Um, it would have been nice to see them punch it in, in the final seconds, but can't have it all. The fact they even were in that position was pretty surprising considering it felt like the game was over, uh, much earlier or in the midway through the fourth quarter. But anyways, great game over there. You can go follow all the Patriots coverage, uh, at Patriots on CLNS or Patriots beat. You like that little plug? I just kind of. Yeah, that was a nice right segue there, man. <laughs> nice segue. Um, expert move. Expert move. But I will say there's Bruins stuff to talk about. So instead of talking about, I wish we could be talking about a game right now. It would be very fun if we could be talking about an actual Bruins game right now. Uh, if we were a stars beat or lightning beat, we could mm-hmm. do that. Uh, game two is Monday night. So when you hear this, there will be, a, there will have been a second game. Stars are currently up one nothing uh, in that series, surprisingly. But again, the Bruins won the first game of the Stanley Cup last year and then lost it. So uh, winning game one does not mean everything, but the Stars looked pretty damn good, you would say, in game one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it seems like it's more random guys kind of stepping up. I mean, you know, if you told me at the beginning of the season one that the cup final would be being played in late September. I wouldn't believe you, but the fact that, you know, the goal scorers for them, it was, you know, just a bunch of random dudes or depth guys or, you know, the old kid in Varada is still, you know, just going off this entire postseason when he only played, I think 10 games during the regular season. So, I mean, it seems like that team's just, again, everyone's clicking at the right time and Anton Hudobin's still red hot. I think he had 35 out of 36 saves. So it's a good formula for success. It's been good, and it's been a fun series to watch, and I imagine it will continue to be a fun series to watch. But on the Bruins' front, now you head towards the offseason. You head towards free agency. You head towards uh, trades, which is always fun. It looks like this offseason could be that. We'll start with free agents. Alex Petrangelo, late last week, uh, the the Blues come out, and then Petrangelo confirmed the report that they were going to have him explore free agency. They were kind of like, eh, dude, why don't you go – somewhere else why don't you go explore free agency and if you don't get anything there maybe we can work something out but he wants a lot i think yeah it was it was said he wanted like 9.4 a year nine nine point like at least 9.25 i think he compared it to like the i think whatever maybe yossi signed as his extension in nashville i think it was kind of the 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 benchmark that he wants to kind of or at least be around that level in terms of an annual value so he, what's funny is he's been a really dominant, good defenseman. I mean, Bruins fans saw that firsthand uh, in that series last year. But consistently, I mean, he's been a good defenseman for them. This year with the scoring pace seems a little much. I think he had over 70 points. Uh, I don't know if that is something that's going to be sustainable because he's 30. Mm-hmm. So, again, like we're, we're seeing here with Tori Krug, giving a 30-year-old defenseman a large contract like that doesn't usually always work out. But – Petrangelo is a captain. Petrangelo is a good two-way guy. He's a good, again, good all-around defenseman. You need to win a cup. Do you hand the money to a guy like Petrangelo? Do you kick the tires on a guy like Petrangelo even? I mean, I, I think maybe you could kick the tires on him. I just don't know how realistic it is to add a guy like him when you kind of look at where he fits in. And again, if a, a guy like Petrangelo is available, you you find a spot to fit him in if you have the money and the the need for him. But uh, 
when you kind of just look at his overall skill set and where he kind of fits in, because I believe he's a he's a right shot defenseman, right? Yes, he's a right shot guy. So I mean, that, there's that problem in terms of, uh, you know, you got McAvoy and Kahlo there, and maybe it's a situation where you you trade Kahlo if you're looking at acquiring maybe top six talent. Maybe you trade him and then you sign a guy like Petrangelo. But again, you're committing a whole bunch of money to a guy who's 30 years old, and the way he kind of projects, you still think you probably got really good value for three, four years, maybe, you know, three years at the minimum in terms of uh, being a legitimate, you know, top pairing guy. Um, but still, if you're going to be forking over, you know, nine, nine and a half million per year for a guy like that, um, you know, I, I think there's probably other fits where you could either acquire maybe more of a, you know, a second pairing, you know, 20 minutes a night guy for cheaper in terms of average annual value or on the trade market. Or, um, you know, divert that money towards, you know, a top six guy. Because I think that's more pressing than, you know, maybe replacing a guy like Krug who has his skills. But, you know, as long as you get maybe a a solid kind of, you know, top four. Like, you know, I'll toss out, like, let's just say like TJ Brody or someone like that who's a solid kind of two-way guy. Probably costs you four and a half, five and a half million. Maybe that's maybe a little bit of a better deal in terms of, you know, filling in that gap. And then using those other resources to get a top six guy rather than, you know, signing Petrangelo for big money. He'd be worth, you know, over two million more than any other guy if he signs a nine and a half million dollar contract here. And then you have to, you know, fit in the other places where you're trading Kahlo, who's still, you know, a very, very strong shutdown guy, a guy who should still keep on getting better. Um, who's also on, you know, a good contract right now. And I don't think he's going to break the bank when he signs a big deal next year. Um, so it'd be like a luxury, I would say, if you if you wanted to fork over that money. But would it make the Bruins better? Yes. But I still think you look at all the other kind of fires they have to put out, it makes it kind of tough to make it a, a realistic thing. That's one of those ones where, like, you're playing uh, NHL and you're doing, like, franchise mode and you sim oh, for yeah. the season. And then you look at you're like, all right, well, you know, I think we have a little bit of cap space. So maybe the team still looks good. And then, like, you look on it and it's like, They've signed, uh, you know, yeah, Petrangelo, and it's like, okay, we we had the same group coming back. Like, I'll take it, but like, we can't sign anyone next year now. Well, so here's the thing: if you did bring a guy like him on, I think you you'd eventually have to trade someone like McAvoy because mm-hmm. McAvoy's the guy on D who's projected to get the most money. He's projected mm-hmm. to get that big time deal uh, whenever that happens. Um, so I think he ultimately is the one that probably would have to get dealt. Not someone like Carlo. I think Carlo you can keep because he would be less money. McAvoy would be the one who would have to go because then it would become your second pairing right shot defenseman. Mm-hmm. You're not going to pay all that for your second pairing right shot defenseman. But, 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 you're right. You're right. I mean, first of all, the Bruins have not had a good history of uh, signing veterans from St. Louis. Yeah, Blues uh, captains, no. Yes, not, uh, not too great. But I don't think that would happen with Petrangelo. I think he would be, as you said, good for three, four, maybe five years. After that, I think it's very thin. I will say this, though. I think this offseason is proving to be very vital for defensive free agents that are at the top of their game. In the sense of, you look at Krug, you look at Petrangelo, 29, 30 years old, looking to get their first big, long deal. Big, you know, Petrangelo is is making 6.5 a year right now, I believe, uh, which for a guy like him is severely underpaid. Mm -hmm. But... Do you think we start to see these guys 
get their big contracts earlier. Like, because teams clearly don't want to pay 30-year-olds. They yeah. they do, or they shouldn't, at least. Most teams mm-hmm. don't. You know, I mean, if Petrangelo was 25, these would be huge sweepstakes. If Krug was 25, the Bruins would hand him this his, the contract he wants, but he's 30. Mm-hmm. Do you think that in the next coming years, as we're seeing with goalies and, 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 and not wanting to pay them, do you think we sort of see teams with defensemen and, and forwards say, we're going to pay you way earlier, and your big contract's going to come when you're 25, not when you're 30? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure teams would probably prefer that. And the, you look at just the the state of the market and the the way it's all set up now, you would think it probably is going to shift to that eventually. Um, you know, I think, as you said, it's probably unfortunately for a few of these guys who've worked harder and or do these these big contracts, um, you know, this is kind of unfortunately probably be a rude awakening for them where, you know, it's it's due in large part to the fact that, you know, the, the cap is staying flat and we don't know when that's going to jump up again because, you know, I don't think we're going to have going to next off season, you know, expecting the cap to jump up to 84, 85 million. I think I it's wish. probably going to stay. I, yeah. I think it's probably going to stay the same, if not maybe marginally a, a little bit more because, you know, they're waiting for the revenue to get back to what it was this year before everything went to shit. And I don't know when you're expecting that revenue to be that way because, you know, you're still waiting for Seattle to come, which will going to be next season, you know, the year after, and you don't know when you're going to have fans in the stands, which is a huge hit on the revenue to the league. So I don't know, you know, what teams are going to fork over, you know, eight and a half, nine and a half million this offseason to even a established great cup winning defenseman like Petrangelo. Like if he was 25, 26, yeah, of course. And I think, you know, if you're a team like uh, St. Louis who had his rights back then, you would like to sign him to a big term deal back then. That's why I think, you know, St. Louis being like, all right, well, you know, We'll be here. Like, see what you get out there. Like, there's always, again, never, you know, overlook the, the one dipshit dumb team that will hand out a contract that it's not, that it shouldn't be doing. Like, look at Bobrovsky last year with Florida. Yeah. Like, there's always going to be that one dipshit team. But um, I, I think when you just look at just the way the market is now and just teams realizing that there's going to be a few, you know, a little bit of hardship ahead in terms of, I mean, look at a team like Arizona. Arizona, you think would have the cap space to be a big player. They can't even friggin' pay off their own, like, uh, you know, the company arena. that manages their arena. Like, I don't think they're going to be big players as off season. When you combine that with the fact that the revenue is going to be shot to shit for at least the first few months of next season. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, something where I think not even, I think maybe defenseman, I think any, forward, you know, who's 28, 29, or, you know, 29, 30, 31, the market's not going to be there because I think teams have to be more cognizant of paying for future potential as opposed to, you know, past past performance. You just can't do it in the way the market is now. Well, that's the issue. I mean, that you know, the, the, the steep decline guys see in their 30s is so great, and it's been – we've seen it so much in the past five, six years. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that's when they want their big deal. Yeah. They want that, you know, that those bad years are going to be in that long-term deal they want. Mm-hmm. Ovechkin's asking for a ton at 37. Now, granted, I like he deserves it. The, the yeah. Capitals should pay it. You know, they learned how, that they should be paying their guys uh, with Barry Trotz. But mm-hmm. you never know there. Also, the Blues gave Justin Falk a huge yeah. uh, D contract last year, which was really odd. And everyone was like, well, that means Petrangelo's gone. Falk's not even that great. No, they they the Blues for winning a cup and for having actually like a pretty solid core to keep on building off of 
did a absurd amount of dipshit moves during this past off season that made yes. no sense. So they and literally just and, overthought it. And now they can't re-sign their captain. So, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I don't, Joe Haggerty tweeted that, you know, he wouldn't be surprised to see the Bruins kick tires on him. Um, I probably would be surprised to see them really inquire because mm-hmm. I just don't think it's a huge fit. I think Petrangelo is going to get money and go towards a team that needs that veteran leader defenseman. The yeah. Bruins don't need the veteran presence and they don't need the long-termness of the deal. They don't need the money. If he wanted to come to Boston for a three-year, $9 million deal, go crazy. Uh, but I, I think yeah. he, he wants seven, eight years. So uh, that's not going to happen. The other defenseman, long-term, expensive defenseman, this is what the Bruins, I guess, were in on this offseason. Yeah, Oliver Ekman Larson. And this was reported that the Bruins were in on OEL. Uh, last week in Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts. Um, we both are against the deal. You wrote a piece about it. I've, I, I tweeted it. You know, this is not the deal. This is not the guy you want. But what if the Bruins were to get Oliver Ekman Larson? What would you give up? And what, what would happen to the rest of the roster? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be, in terms of a fit on the roster, it would be easier to accommodate him as opposed to Petrangelo, where you get Petrangelo, I think everyone's first thought would be, for me and you would be, oh, that's pretty interesting. Oh, shit, they have to get rid of, you know, Kahlo or McAvoy or one of those guys. You're making it, you're making your already busy offseason that much hotter for yourself. Ekman Larson, if Krug walks, you know, he can fill in either that, you know, the top pair or the second pair. I'd imagine he'd be a top pairing guy with McAvoy, which is a pretty good group to roll out together. Um, But I think in terms of the cost, it all comes down to, how much money Arizona is willing to eat on that contract. Cause that's the biggest, biggest issue there. I mean, if he was available for six, six and a half, seven million, even I'd be much more intrigued of, Oh, you know, he's 29. The metrics for him seem like they're dipping a little bit, but I don't put any, I don't not, I don't put any stock in it, but I also am curious to see what he would do in a system outside of what Rick talked and what they have in Arizona. Cause Holy shit. Every time, a talented playmaking guy goes to Arizona, their offense just dries up. So I'd be curious to see how he would do, you know, in a place like Boston where even he's not necessarily the number one guy, you know, you know, Charlie McAvoy could be, you know, the Bruins best defenseman, you know, going into next year for the next 10 years, you know, and if Ekman Larson's a very, very, very good number two, that's that much better for him and for the Bruins. But I think it all comes down to that cost because, you know, in fact, he got seven years left on that contract uh, yeah, eight point two five million a year. So you bring him in; he's already making a million more than David Krejci, who's the highest paid player. So I think you look at the cost; it would all come down to you know if if you acquired him and you took that entire huge ass contract off Arizona's books, considering how screwed they seem to be, the cost probably isn't awful. Like you're still giving up a you know solid solid amount of guys, but if you know. If you want to work out a deal where Arizona eats, you know, fifteen percent of it or something, and you, you know you're paying them six point two five million or six million, it'd be better for the Bruins, but you also have to probably give up more prospects. So, I think Arizona, obviously, the fact that they lost a twenty twenty second round pick and they lost a twenty twenty one first round pick because of their, uh, you know, uh, their violations with the the draft and the I think the you know the scouting or the I forget which which part of it is in terms of what the actual fine print what is but they lost the pick after doing some dipshit stuff so they're obviously going to be looking at recouping picks so maybe it's 2021 first 
Um, you know, they probably want cost controlled guys. So, you know, maybe it's a, a Bjork or something like that, where who's only under contract for 1.6 million. So those are kind of the, the pieces that stand out, but the cost may not be too bad if you want to take in that whole contract. But if you're the Bruins, I don't know, you want to put that on your books for a guy who is 29, had a lot of really, really good years, but still a lot of risk. He's not like a slam dunk guy that you want to be giving eight, you know, 8.25 million a year to 6.5. That'd be, yeah. You know, at that point he's interesting enough and is a good fit enough with this team that you'd be willing to see how it works out. But 8.25, that's, that's a lot. I don't know how Arizona gets this contract off the books. I don't. I mean, it, you, I think you have to only, you know, you have to eat some of it and let the team you trade him to eat, you know, the majority, but you got to eat some of it because that deal does not look good. I mean, you know, again, I, I don't mind the player. I think he's, mm-hmm. I think he's solid. I think he's good, but he's not worth that amount of money. Yeah. And again, if he came to the Bruins and he's making 8.25, you know, damn well in a few years when McAvoy has to negotiate his next big deal, mm-hmm. he'd be like, if he's making 8.25, I'm making nine or 10. Uh, yeah. Because that's sort of the potential we see McAvoy hitting. So you screw yourself over with that. You screw yourself with the McAvoy negotiations. I don't think you want to touch this Oliver Ekman-Larsen deal. But I will say, it's nice to see the Bruins in on some big trades. It's nice to see them kicking tires on making a legit, big, team-changing roster shake-up move. Uh, and so we'll get into that right now. Um, that is the right move. That is the right, not the Ekman-Larsen, but being in on that, the right move. Uh, but I, I don't know who you would go. You, you need forwards. You need mm-hmm. You need forwards for that because we both said on defense, you can go out and sign a Brendan Dillon, a TJ Brody, uh, maybe a Travis Hamanek. I mean, always a right shot defenseman, but you can go out and sign a cheaper top four mid-level defenseman. You don't have to give everything to a franchise defenseman per se. On offense, top six guys, Mm -hmm. who do you like and what are they going to have to give up? Uh, I mean, I think the one guy that I've always been you know, a big fan of in terms of, you know, I, I wish they either went after him. And again, it depends on what the team who currently has his rights is willing to, you know, give up the guy for. But I think a guy like Kyle Palmieri stands out as a, you know, top six proven guy who is both, you know, uh, an offensive, proven offensive guy, a guy who I think could fit in next to either Bergeron or Krejci. And is also, you know, fantastic defensively as well. You know, he's not mock stone, but he's kind of mock stone light a little bit that, you know, I think he's underrated in terms of what his the overall kind of package he brings out on the ice veteran guy, you know, I think maybe 28, 29, maybe, maybe just turned 30, but still a good age that, you know, he's going to be a free agent next year, but you've got this one year with him. So the cost might not be as bad if you're willing to give up, you know, some draft capital or a couple of prospects. Um, so I think he's a guy that would be at the top of my list in terms of being a, a guy that would just solve that top six problem, you know, without having to get too, you know, crazy in terms of, you know, really uprooting the entire roster. I think you put in Paul Mary, you feel a lot better about how you're, you go into next year where you don't have to worry about either one of those two lines. You know, you put him with Krejci, you're all set. You put Pasternak down with Krejci, you put him with Bergeron, you're all set. You got another great two-way guy up there. Um, he's a guy that stands out. Um, you know, I, I think you look at a guy like, uh, Besser out in, in Vancouver, that's going to be fascinating to see what they do this off season because that team is 
the team's core is stacked. Like you look at Vancouver and how they're built. They're what Toronto has thought that they we're going to get for like the last five years. It's just like that group has worked so much better. And, you know, guys like. I'd rather see that out in Vancouver than in Toronto. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, Pedersen, who everyone knows is great, but I think you watch him in this postseason, you realize that that dude, like, is already maybe like a top 10 player. And like, he's, he's friggin' legit. And Quinn Hughes is fantastic as well. He's going to be up there with Makar and, and Haskinen, I think. And hopefully McAvoy is this kind of next wave of franchise defensemen. Um, but you look at how much, how many shitty contracts that Benning has signed over that time in Vancouver, you know, maybe ideally, you know, they'd find a way to offload, you know, Louis Erickson's contract and some of those other terrible contracts they signed. But again, you look at the way this market is, I don't know who's going to take that money unless, you know, it's, I think everyone this offseason is more concerned with saving money as opposed to acquiring assets. So it's like, all right, we're going to be in a flat cap for a few years. I'm not, taking another pick just to take your shitty Louis Erickson contract off the books. I don't think anyone wants to do that this offseason unless you give up an absurd amount of assets. So, um, you know, if a guy like Besser is available, that would be a, you know, a hefty price. You'd be looking at, I think, you know, Kahlo or someone like that. But um, he's a guy, though, that young, proven scorer, great shot, uh, especially on at even strength. He's a great even strength scorer, which is exactly what you need on this team. So he's a guy that kind of stands out. But, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of, you know, top six guys or even guys who are, you know, maybe middle six that could just fit in on a, a second-line role that would work. But I think Paul Mary, in terms of just being a veteran guy that makes the most sense, he's kind of at the, at the top of my list in terms of how he would immediately impact this team. So he'd be near the top of mind as well. I mean, Palmieri was talked about a lot at the trade deadline. I thought the Brewers were going to get him. I mean, he just made, again, it made lots of sense, can fit in the top two lines. Um, and he's not going to cost you a lot in a deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy, you know, as, as prolific as he's been, I don't think he surpassed the 60-point mark ever. So you're not – I mean, I don't think you're giving up a ton. You're going to give up a good amount because I think New Jersey Yeah, knows I it. think, like, you know, first-round pick and, and 2021 first-round pick and, you know – Maybe Bjork and, you know, a couple other prospects. It's not something I think it's like, you know, you're looking at friggin' like Stadnika or, you know, uh, maybe a few of these other younger top six guys where Kahlo has to be the, the pick you're giving up, like for a veteran guy on a one-year deal. You know, I think you try to not give up that first-round pick because you've mm-hmm. had so few. I think mm-hmm. with that route, you also try to avoid Stadnika. So if you can get them to take a guy like Beecher or a guy like Frederick, uh, mm-hmm. I like that so much more. I mean, again, those are first round talents. They're first round talents. Um, and if you can also pair Bjork with them, maybe Zaboral or Senishin. I mean, granted, they're you know, we know people know what they are. I mean, maybe New Jersey thinks they can retool them, uh, but I think for sure you're giving up a top prospect in Beecher or Frederick and Bjork and maybe someone else, maybe a second round pick in there. But I like, I love Palmer. Love the player. We absolutely want him. On uh, would want the Bruins to go after him. You mentioned, by, by the way, bad contract for the Canucks. Mm-hmm. You know the Canucks signed Tyler Myers last July to mm-hmm. that five-year, $30 million deal? Like, yep. what an absolute train wreck of a deal. 30 years old, you know, they have Louis Erickson. Um, who are the other dumb contracts on the team? Those, I mean, those are ones that stand out. But yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch that are just – it's just like the volume of how many contracts. Even ones that aren't like – like Louis Erickson and Maya is the ones you stand out and you like rip your hair out. But there's just other ones where you're like, that guy's not carrying his weight worth of what that cap is when you got all these younger players and they're already in a cap crunch. They're not even paying these guys 
they're going to be due to get, you know, major money next year. I know Besser's under contract. They signed him to a deal that is pretty good and should look pretty good for the next couple of years. But, you know, when Hughes and Pedersen and these guys are up, like, holy shit, dude. Like, what? what where's all this pay? money going to be? Also, yeah. Markstrom's a free agent as well. Yeah, and he's I think he's gone. So Absolutely. It has to be. I mean, they can't pay him because he's going yeah. to cost a lot of money. Um but so some other guys, I, I like Besser. I think he'd be great. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to have to give up Carlo and a deal for him. But I do think that does make you a legit and, – and, and we said this before. To make these trades, and this kind of goes for any trade, but especially this Bruins team, mm-hmm. you got to make sure your team's getting better. you got to yeah. make sure that you, are get, that you are getting the best player back in the deal. I think if you trade for Brock Besser, if you sent Carlo a, maybe a first for a guy like yeah. Besser, I mean, I think he's good enough. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, potentially a guy like Bjork in there as well. I think you're definitely getting better. Your team is getting yeah. better. You're filling a need, uh, because you, you have right shot defensemen. I love Carlo. I don't want to trade Carlo. I don't think anyone wants to trade Carlo, but if you're getting your team better, especially for now, so be it. I think some other interesting names. Um, I don't know if the Canadians would ever trade a guy to the Bruins. I yeah. can't remember the last Bruins Canadians move. I don't think they mm-hmm. do that, but a Max Domi is interesting to me. Um, yeah. Interesting. Not someone, I don't think the Bruins are ever going to get him, but he's, he's had some big production years before. Top six you'd guy. Have, you'd have a lot of, uh, guys at watering holes who are just pissed over the Bruins aren't the way they were in the eighties and stuff like that. I'd be very happy to get a kind of a, an agitator like Domi. Yes. He would, he would fit well with the, with the, uh, the whole, the old breed. Know, the old breed. He would fit very well with the guy standing out at Fenway Park with his, with the hat up, uh, yeah, blowing it out of the he'd, field. He'd be pumped. He would be very psyched. Uh, I think that guy is the absolute, you know, model for someone who, who wants Milan Lucic to be back on the Bruins. Yes. Uh, what's funny is that was, by the way, my favorite moment of the year. I think that, that, that guy coming out on Fen- at Fenway, breaking into the stadium, no idea how he got in. Uh, uh, I mean, it was the most entertaining thing you saw at Fenway this year. That's for sure. I was over oh, at Fenway sure. yesterday when that happened. I was legit. I was like, I was right by when they won the game. Like I, there was legitimately no one over there. It's like like a ghost town, and they were playing Dirty Water, and it was like the most dystopian thing I've ever seen in my life. You posted the, Dirty, tw- the video. I was so yeah. it was so weird. And I, I was I was hoping that I was going to be walking, and just like that dude, you just see just like shuffling down like a pole and just running down like Jersey Street. Like I hope we we're going to run into him, but. Remember nine eleven, Boston yeah, Marathon, I think, America. I think, I think the I think the cops uh, grabbed him before we could we could make a citizen's arrest. So, well, what's funny is uh, not to get too off topic here, but uh, he throws the hat out on the field and then he reaches under his shirt and it's mm-hmm. a, another hat. But if you're on the field or you're an umpire, or you're the cops, like you have no oh, yeah. idea what that guy's mm-hmm. reaching for. Um, so that was a huge, huge bullet dodge, but it was also very yeah. funny. Uh, so I'm glad yes. that happened. I mean, so, it helps that the guy looks like he should be like working on like a, he should be with JJ and uh, whoever the other guy was who caught the fish out in the harbor. Like, I, I mean, that dude looks like he just came like straight out of Malden. So yes. Yeah. I, I, that's funny. Though. Like, I wonder what went, through, I, I, he might've had some uh, mental health issues, but I do yes. wonder like what his, <laughs> I don't think he was totally right. <laughs> what I do wonder like what that thought process is like, Oh, I'm going to go break into Fenway park. Today. Yeah, like, it'd, be, it'd be funny if he was just a guy who got loaded up at like Casca flag. And I was like, this is going to be my moment, buddy. And just like did that. I don't think that was the case. I think the guy clearly had some problems, but if it was just like some jabroni <laughs> who like wanted to break into Fenway, it'd be 
much, much funnier. <laughs> it would be so good. But I, I do think, though, that that uh, I wonder what the thought process is. Like, oh, I'm going to scale the green monster yeah. and break into Fenway. I saw the town once. We're going to do that. Except we're going to get arrested at the park. <laughs> but, I um, saw the town for the first time, by the way, over quarantine. I know that's a good point. But it, it's it, the first time. It's a good movie. I, I, it was a great movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was sort of my quarantine thing was like, I've, there's so many great movies I'd never seen, like The Social Network I'd never seen. Oh, um, so fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. And I was like, I got to watch these, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I did. Uh, but so not to get too off topic from trades, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. but Domi's the guy that interests me. Another one who sort of goes into that Bruins idea, and a, 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 fa- a Bruins fan DM me on this this week on Twitter brought it up to me. A guy like Mantha, uh, they've mm-hmm. always kind of been, you know, maybe Mantha would work. Uh, I'm not super high on Mantha, and I'm not super high on giving a lot for him either. Uh, so he's not someone I would go for that hard. I don't think Detroit would give him up. You know, I think Iserman need, needs to hold on to a few of these at least building blocks. And I think Mantha still, you know, he's half the time these guys, like even him and Lacken and a few of these other guys are playing with dog shit. Like that team sucks. Yeah. Like that team's got nothing around him, and he's still producing pretty well. I think you keep a guy like Mantha who's – a bigger guy anyway has got skill and kind of let that develop. So I'd oh. be surprised in the market of, you know, selling off some of these. They'd love, I love, they probably love to trade some of these older guys they got that are eating up some cap, but I think they're not going to be moving guys like Lachner or, or, or Mantha unless it's a crazy deal. Cause they need to start keeping a hold of a few of these guys. I was going to say the Bruins have a, a big guy with skill. His name's Nick Ritchie. So they're fine. Oh yeah, of course. Um, so you also have – there's two other guys that, that interest me. Um, there's Pavel Buchnevich, who's interesting, mm-hmm. might get dealt, uh, mm-hmm. $3.25 million annually. That's palatable. I mean, I, I think he's a fri- – but again, you want to avoid these fringe top six guys. Because that's the problem, yeah. That's the issue. You have one with Kasha. You have one with DeBrusque. And it's like you want to get another one who's going to piss you off by generating a shit ton of scoring chances and not convert any of them. Yeah. That seems to be the thing with the Bruins. But – there is a guy who I would love to see the Bruins go after, and I think it would be worth it. And it's Johnny Gaudreau. Now, obviously, but the Flames have been rumored to want to make some changes. Monahan's probably on the move. But what if they yeah. said, you know what? We can get more for a guy like Gaudreau. Mm-hmm. You're going to get more money off the books with a guy like Gaudreau. Mm-hmm. Bruins could be a fit. I mean, that that's a guy – who you have for a long time, mm-hmm. you know he's going to put up points. You know he's going to put up at least 70 points a year. To me, I mean, that's a no-brainer. You're going to have to give up a lot. Yeah. I don't know if that's worth it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, your future, I mean, I don't know. I guess it'd be a second liner after Marshawn, so maybe yeah. it wouldn't be worth it. But if you want someone who's a legit scorer who makes mm-hmm. you potentially get past Tampa Bay – Mm-hmm. That might be your guy. Yeah, I mean, he's got the talent. He's got the point production. He solved the issue. He's a good five-on-five guy as well. Um, he's BC guy, so you know, I'm kind of biased. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. But, um, but you know, I mean, I think he would be a guy that fits just what the contract is. And I think there's a lot of – you see a lot of concern for – like the Flames wanted to get rid of Goudreau's kind of, you know, the concern because you hear every year that he's just – doesn't show up in the postseason, which I think he's more or less the fact that he's just a smaller guy. And I think if you're the top pairing, if you're the top line kind of offensive conduit, of course teams are going to put 
put their big bodies on you and try to shut you down. So if he's with Boston, maybe, you know, if he's a second line role, you're allowed to spread out that offense a little bit more. And, you know, if you're going up against Tampa and like McDonough is handling the Bergeron line that gives, you know, Krejci and Goudreau time to, you know, generate some chances as well. So that works in that regard. Just depends on how much, you know, uh, how much the assets are you want to give up. And I think that's going to be the biggest, you know, determinant there. That's why I think if you look at maybe Goudreau and if you're already committed to giving up a, a bunch of, you know, draft capital or prospects or legitimate players, you know, guy, NHL players, and you weigh, you know, getting Goudreau as opposed to maybe a guy like Besser or, uh, oh, Mary. or a guy like, you know, Nick Ehlers over in, uh, in Winnipeg, who I think's a great player, a 30 goal scorer who's under contract for a while. So I think maybe if you're willing to give that much money, you look at maybe some of these guys who are a little bit younger, who are, you know, maybe you feel a bit more, you know, a little bit better about in terms of a long term building off of. Like, I think Goudreau's not old, right? But I think you look at kind of his age and, um, or his size, more or less, and how it fits in. Maybe you opt to go for another guy a little bit younger with still a very proven track record there. But um, again, Goudreau makes your team better. I mean, you're, why you've lost the last couple of years has been five and five scoring, and he brings it. Uh, I think it all just depends on what Calgary wants from him. And if they trade Monaghan, who seems like they will, and they get a good return from him for teams that need, you know, center depth, then. Maybe it's enough for them that they're like, all right, this is our big move. We've restocked. We've switched things around a little bit and go from there. But, you know, if he's going to be out on the market this year, you know, I think the Bruins, like most players that are going to be out there, are going to kick the, kick the tires on him. Well, I think to get a guy like Adriel, you'd have – I think the package base would be a first-round pick, Jake DeBrusque and Johnny Beecher. I think that is like your base uh, to Calgary, and I'm fine with that. For a guy like Adriel, like that is worth a first. That is worth DeBrusque. That is worth a former first. Like that to me is, is completely worth it. Um, mm. but as you said, you can go out and get a guy like Palmieri or Ehlers or Besser and give up less and potentially get more for second line scoring. So, uh, and also younger, which is really also very much more important. Um, but it's funny, you know, who else they should go for? They should go for like Connor McDavid or, uh, or Jack Eichel I mean, or Nikita Kucherov. I mean, maybe, you know, uh, it depends, you know, what the price is going to be. If you, it's like Sadiq is out there. I don't think you should do it, but I don't think you should. It should, no, it's it, all, it should, it's be, all about- it should be Zaboral, Senishin, yeah. Bakaninen, Nick and Ritchie. a third. Yeah, Nick Ritchie. Yeah. And John that, Moore. That would, that would, yeah. You know, you got to give to get in this league. So you got to be realistic about these trade packages. Huh? That's true. So, you, so the, okay, so maybe not John Moore. You throw in, like, maybe give him Connor Clifton. That, so, so, uh, it's, so it's Connor Clifton. Nick Ritchie, throw, hell, throwing John Moore too. Yeah. And Jacob Zaborl and Zach Senishin to the Edmonton Oilers for Connor McDavid. What do you, what do you, who says no? I mean, I don't think it's, you can't give up that much. That's too much cap going their way. You gotta, you gotta be smart about this stuff, Evan. You're right. You're right. Uh, it's too much. So take away. You know, we, got a whole, we got a whole off season ahead of us. We, we, we can brainstorm these things. You know, you, you swung and missed on this one, but we got a lot more, we got a lot more innings to go. Maybe we take away John Moore. We, t- we okay, the, yeah. the Bruins keep John Moore. No, but so that's the, that's the problem with people with, with, on Twitter with trades. They think they can just give up a ton of crap for greatness and it doesn't work. So don't, yeah. don't come at us with, you know, trading five piles of garbage for, uh, one really nice, uh, piece for the mantle. So, um, I, it's always my favorite to see people go to the ends of the earth to try to justify uh, why they should do a trade. And I hate trying, cause what's funny is, 
I guarantee the Bruins do a Charlie Coyle trade in the sense that you're, they're going to go for someone you're not expecting. They're going to go mm-hmm. for someone who's not on the trade market. They're going to, you know, it's just going to be kind of out of the blue. You know, they, they get like friggin', I, I don't know, some, you know, second line left winger from the, I don't know. Who wasn't even on the market. You're like, oh, I mean, I know that guy. Yeah, this is cool. But I'm like, I didn't think he was available. Like Nick Ritchie, we had no idea about. Andre Kasha was. Nick Ritchie, yeah. no idea. Um, Charlie Cole, no idea. I don't want to put them in the same sentence, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so it should be very, this, this should be a very trade heavy offseason for the league, not just for the Bruins, yeah. but for the league. Uh, but I think most teams realize, and by the way, the Bruins have the cap space. They have 15 million. Mm-hmm. Signed DeBrusque, uh, signed Grizzly, which I think is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have money. So it's going to be very interesting to see them actually make some moves. I'm hoping it's interesting. Good moves, not like Jake Gardner from the Hurricanes type yeah, moves. Yeah, not trades for the, the sake of it where you feel like it's going to just either not be worth it or doesn't move the needle forward for your team. Don't do lateral moves. Don't do – don't bring me another fringe right winger or fringe top six guy. Don't bring me another – you know, Kasha, fine, but mm-hmm. end it there. I, I'm so done with these guys who are, you know, fringe second, third line guys. But uh, at any rate, Connor – uh, what would you like to plug before I let you go? Yeah, I mean, we're going to have, as we've talked about on this podcast, you know, it's going to be a busy off season for the Bruins. So this weekend I, I broke down some free agents that the Bruins should avoid. So I think this week we'll be looking at some guys who maybe are worth, you know, shelling out some money to. And again, not world beaters, not Petrangelo's of the world, but if it's, you know, either guys put further down on the decor a little bit bigger or maybe guys who fit into more of a third-line role if you think you need more of a proven guy there next to Coyle. I think there's some value to, f- to be found in some of those spots. So take a look at that, looking at a few of these younger players um, and how they might fit into the team next year. We looked at McAvoy and Grizzlick and how they look as a pair, and we've kind of sized up Anders Bjork and what he can bring next year. So we're looking at you know, guys like Stanika, a guy like DeBrusque, and, you know, what, what he can bring, which I think we've been talking about for a couple of years now as to what his potential is. And, again, he's still only 23, so it's not like this is the player he's going to be. You know, that's the guy who I think if you trade him, it better be worth a, a really good return because he's got all the makings of the guy who buries 32 goals next year and you're kicking yourself. So um, we'll be we'll talking about a whole bunch of that stuff over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all of that. And for CLS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.